Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello, faithful listener. How are you doing today? This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast, and I'm excited that you decided to take some time to join me this morning to discuss the scriptures. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. And I <laughs> I don't have a microwave anymore because my microwave burned out last week, if you guys have been uh, listening along with me. And now I can't heat up my, my coffee a thousand times. So my coffee is always just slightly too cold for me. But I have this little heating pad thingy that kind of works so you set your coffee on it and you turn on the button and it's supposed to heat your coffee up but it it kind of is good but it doesn't exactly heat your coffee up it just sort of makes it stay the same temperature that it is so my coffee is always slightly too cold that is my complaint for today if that's my biggest complaint is that my coffee is just slightly too cold i'm living the life like come on (laughs) Oh, okay. Anyway, let's go ahead and talk about Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32 today. And I have to apologize to you guys, because for some reason, I thought that I already had talked about this episode with you guys. I don't know why. My I must have read ahead at some point in time, thought about what I was going to talk about, and believed that I had already recorded this episode when I had not. Because if you listened in on Tuesday... I told you guys, I was like, if this is just like the parable of the lost son that we already talked about, (laughs) we did not talk about that parable, not in the book of Luke, because here it is now. And I'm telling you guys, it's like, I don't know how I thought that I recorded this episode because I was like, even looking behind, I'm like, did Jesus repeat this parable twice? And no, in the book of Luke. This parable is only mentioned one time, so I don't know what I was thinking. So anyway, let's go ahead and talk about Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Even though I gave you some spoilers and already told you what we're going to talk about, I will talk about it more in depth today. The parable of the lost son, or rather rather the parable of the, um, the what is it, the son that went astray? I forget the name of it. The prodigal son. There we go. So let's go ahead and talk about Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. this morning. He said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me my share of your property. So he divided his livelihood between them. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all of this together and traveled into a far country. There he wasted his property with riotous living. When he had spent all of it, there arose a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. He went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He wanted to fill his belly with the husks that the pigs ate, but no one gave him any. But when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I'm dying with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will tell him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still afar off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. As he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants to him and asked what was going on. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and healthy. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and begged him. But he answered his father, Behold, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed a commandment of yours, but you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends." But when this, your son came, who has devoured your living with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But it was appropriate to celebrate and be glad, for this, your brother, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So I actually know a lot of people who believe that free will does not exist, and that God orchestrates everything. But to me, this parable here is evidence for free will, because this father in this parable is obviously representing God, and then the two sons represent us, the world. And the one son chooses to go out into the world and do what he wants to do, and the father lets him. And to me, that is actually the definition of free will, is us choosing what we want to do. So yeah, I do believe that free will does exist. And also my other argument uh, for free will is why do we sin if we don't have free will? Like if if we don't have free will, why are we sinning? Is God telling us to sin? (laughs) That makes no sense to me. God does not tempt us. He does not tell us to sin. We sin on our own. So to me, free will, in other words, us doing what we want to do, I believe exists. I believe that God allows us to have that free will and we need to choose what we want to do. So there's two brothers in this parable. One chooses to go out into the world. The other one chooses to stay with his father, which I find very interesting. So yes, this is definitely a story about free will. But let's go ahead and talk about this more in depth. It says here that a certain man had two sons. The younger son... In other words, the one that is not the birthright holder, because the birthright was still in existence at this point in time when Jesus stated this parable. The birthright holder was the older son, the firstborn male. And this was a huge honor, a huge role. And he would get most of the inheritance because that would help him along to become the leader of his family. But this younger son is not the birthright holder, and he would not get nearly as much of an inheritance from his father, but he still wants it. He's like, you know what? My father's not dead yet. I'm not getting this money fast enough. I need to go talk to my father about this, and I'm going to tell him what's what and that I want my inheritance now because he's not dying fast enough. So this is a huge insult, obviously. I I mean, imagine if your kid came up to you and was like, I want my inheritance now. I can't wait for you to die. Like that would be... A slap in the face. It would be a huge slap in the face. So this son does this to the father, showing no love to his father whatsoever. And so the father allows it to happen. He's like, okay, son, here is your portion of the inheritance. You may have it. So this father obviously is very well off. This is stated 
basically in this uh, entire parable that this father has infinite resources is kind of what it sounds like. Because even during the middle of this famine that the son finds himself in years later, he remembers how much of an infinite amount of resources his father has. So yeah, of course, God or the father in this parable has an infinite amount of resources. So this son takes his inheritance and decides to go out and spend it on the world. He uses it on prostitutes, on his friends, drinking, drugs, whatever he wants to do, just partying it up with his father's money. Now, this younger son, I believe, could represent a Christian who goes astray, or rather a person who is not a Christian, but has heard the gospel, knows about it, and just decides he wants to do whatever he wants to do. So I do believe that this parable is talking about a person who at least has a good understanding of who God is, whether he was a Christian in the past or not. Because there are people who grow up in the church that find themselves, when they get older, falling away from God. That happens far too often with our community, especially here in America. It's like an epidemic here in America. Once a kid grows up and they go off to college, a lot of them do not return to the church for many, many years until they end up having kids because they want their kids to grow up in the church, but they do not want to go to church themselves. And they kind of want God sort of in their back pocket when they need him, but they don't actually want to take that step of being a follower of God because that's too much work. They'd rather be able to go out in the world, party it up, have fun when they want to have fun, or at least what their definition of fun is, and then, you know, take out God when they need him and then put him back when they decide that they don't need him anymore. So, yes, that's what I believe this parable is talking about. A son who understands about God, maybe has grown up in the church, maybe has grown up in a Christian household. And whether or not they became born again or not, they decide to go out into the world, take a little bit of God with him, because that's kind of what this son does. He takes his inheritance money, right? The good things of God, he decides to take with him out into the world, but live it up, do what he wants to do, and forget about his father. So that, I believe, is what this parable is talking about. And we'll talk about the other son in a minute as well. But anyway, this son goes out into the world and wastes his inheritance on whatever he wants to do. Then finally, he's out of his inheritance and this huge famine hits the country that he's living in. And so he began to be in need is what it says. And I think Jesus is almost stating here, like, it's not just fun and games. It might be fun for a minute, but you're going to find yourself in need at the end of all that, when you're done living it up, you're going to find yourself in need. And it's kind of funny. I actually have a friend who went through a similar thing. Would have been interesting to uh, get him on the podcast for this, but I haven't, I, I, I totally didn't even think about that. But anyway, this kid ends up finding himself in need and he goes to work for this farmer who has pigs. Now, pigs, if you've been listening to to my uh, Old Testament episodes, you know that they are unclean animals. So this kid goes and works for a Gentile man, which would have been an insult to the Jewish people at this time period. This would have been very insulting to have to stoop that low to feed pigs. 
And that's what this kid is doing. And not only is he feeding the pigs, he is wanting the slop that the pigs are eating. I actually used to work at a Montessori school and they had pigs at this school, which they would feed. Let me just tell you what they fed these pigs. I'm not even joking. They fed the pigs poop. They would mix all this crap together, like literal crap, with the compost from the school and different kinds of like feed and feed it to the pigs. It was disgusting because pigs eat anything like they eat garbage because they can process it. So pigs eat literal poop. I'm not even joking. They do. And this kid here is looking at the slop that they're feeding the pigs and thinking it looks pretty tasty. I remember I did a, uh, I don't fast very often, but I did this fast and this was like a long time ago, maybe like five or six years ago. And I remember <laughs> I was so hungry because I can't go several hours without getting hungry. I'm, I'm not joking. I have a very high metabolism, so I get hungry very quickly. So, and also I'm very food motivated. So I remember being outside and thinking that the bird seed looked good. I was pouring some bird seed into the bird container and I had only been hungry for like six hours at this point. And I'm just like, that looks delicious. Like, give me some of those sunflower seeds right now. I'm not joking. To me, <laughs> I was hungry for six hours. I can't even imagine what this kid was going through. He was probably hungry for days and wasn't eating very well. So I can imagine that that pig crap looked pretty good to him. I can imagine. I, I understand. So he decides he has a moment of clarity and he's like, why the heck am I sitting here looking at this pig pod and thinking it looks delicious. I'm going to go back to my father's house because he has resources in the middle of this famine. I'm going to go back home and tell him that I am no longer worthy to be your son. I'm going to be one of your servants. Please take me back as a servant. This is a humble position that this kid finds himself in. He finds himself in need and in want after living it up, after doing what he wants to do and realizing how much he needs his father. So he's humbled, and he decides to go back to his father. So the father sees him afar off, is what it says, still far off. So however many miles. This means that this father was actively searching for his son every single day, waiting for his son to come back to him. So this son is miles off, and he recognizes him years later. And it says that when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. So the son wasn't even home yet. The son wasn't even home. The father was waiting and waiting and sees him still afar off. I mean, that is just an analogy of where our hearts are. Sometimes we can have those thoughts like we should go back to God, but we're not very good at doing that ourselves. So the father runs to his son. The second that heart change happens, that's when God pulls close to us. And I don't believe God is ever far away. I do believe that God is always close, but I believe that God draws near to us. Finally, when we have that heart change, he comes even closer. That is what I believe. 
So this father runs to his son and wraps his arms around him, kissing him, this smelly, disgusting son that was literally just feeding pigs who knows how long ago, hasn't showered in how many days. And he runs and takes up his smelly son and kisses him on the neck. So the son says, he doesn't even embrace the father back. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father ignores him. (laughs) The father doesn't even respond to this. But the father says to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and his found and is found. So they begin to celebrate. This father ignores the son's request to become a servant and is just like, nope, we're partying it up. Let's go party. Puts the best robe on his smelly, disgusting son and brings him into their, his house to celebrate with the delicious fatted calf. This calf that would have been worth so much money in the market that this father could have been fattening it up to sell it. He instead gives it to his son so his son can party and eat. And this is the real party. This son thought that he was going out into the world to have fun out in the world and party it up back there. But that was a miserable kind of party because it was without the father. It was in all sorts of stuff that you shouldn't be getting into. Now the son realizes what a real party is. Being with his father, being with his family again, having a fatted calf and celebrating with his father's friends and his father's family. And so there was music and dancing is what it says. And the older son was out in the field. So he was working and he hears all this music and dancing and this partying. And he gets mad. He's like, what the heck's going on here? And one of the servants tell him, tells him what's going on. Your brother's back. Your brother's back. And the older son's like, Psh, great. So good. So he yells at his father. This is representing the other person. <laughs> so the first one is representing the son that puts God in his back pocket, goes out into the world and does what he wants to do. This other son is representing the people that are more like the Pharisees, the people that are more like, honestly, me, that has grown up in the church and expects God to do things for me because I grew up in the church. That's what this son is representing. So this son becomes angry because the father is giving his other son who went out in the world more attention. This son is not excited over the fact that this His brother is coming back to God. This previous sinner is coming to God and being allowed to feast in his father's house. He gets angry over this. So he says to his father, he yells at his father. He's disrespectful. And he says, I can't believe you. I've served you all these years. I never disobeyed a single commandment of yours. You never even gave me a goat. Look at that. This son was living in his father's house in comfort for his entire life, but has a dissatisfied heart with what his father gave him. He says, you haven't even given me a goat. How dare you? 
that you couldn't even give me anything because I've served you all these years. And I'm not joking. The reason I say I'm more like the second son is because I've I've literally said this to God. I'm not even joking. So <laughs> and you guys have heard my testimony before and I'm not going to state it now. But this son, this other son, the, the older son has a dissatisfied heart with his father is angry. So he says, I'm not allowed to celebrate with my friends with a goat. But when your son, this your son came, who has devoured your living with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. So this other son is so angry, but the father corrects him, rebukes him. And he says, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. So he puts this older son in his place. He says, you've always been with me. You've, you have what I have. You share in the better inheritance than your younger brother. And yet you're dissatisfied. And he says, it was appropriate for me to celebrate and be glad because of your brother, because he was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So, I mean, the moral of the story really is not to be like the older brother and not the younger brother either. We're not supposed to be dissatisfied with our life to the point where we go out and do what we want to do and stray away from God. But we're also not supposed to be living in God's presence, you know, with the stuff God gives us and being dissatisfied over it. Both of these brothers struggled with dissatisfied, but they went in opposite directions. One said, I'm so holy. I did everything I could for you, God. I'm holy. And the other brother said, "Nah, I don't want anything to do with my father and all those stupid rules. I want to go out into the world. And both of those brothers had dissatisfied hearts. Really, this is just a story of satisfaction. Now, we are supposed to be satisfied with where God places us. There are so many stories like this in scripture where Jesus tells us, just be thankful for what we have been given. Be thankful, be thankful. What's that verse that Paul states? In all things, give thanks. We're supposed to give thanks even during the hard times. Because during the hard times, God is still with us. We need to be thanking God that he is still with us. Because without God, we wouldn't be able to survive at all. During those hard things, we would be totally screwed over if we didn't have God. So we still need to be giving thanks that God is with us even during the hard times, even though that is so difficult. And I recognize that that is so, so difficult. Still, Paul says, for a reason, give thanks for everything. Give thanks that God is still with you, that God is helping you through. And you may not know how God is helping you through, what you are going through right now. You may not know because you can only see what directly is in front of you. But God can see the entire picture. And God does help during trials, even though it may not feel like it in the moment. We still need to have satisfaction with where God placed us and give thanks for all things. Well, sorry this episode went a little long today. <laughs> I try to keep my episodes around 20 minutes for you guys who are commuting to work. That's my Point with the 20 minute episodes because most commutes I would guess are around 20 minutes maybe not 
I don't know. But anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. But please check out some of the devotionals. If you want to support the Bible Explained podcast, then go and check out a devotional. Get one for yourself. I have three devotionals right now that I have written over the past couple years. One is called Out of the Mire, which is a story about the life of Joseph the slave from Genesis. That actually is a great one about satisfaction in life. because the entire book is talking about depression, anxiety, and basically dissatisfaction. So that's a great one. If you guys are interested in getting a devotional, check out Out of the Mire, which is available on Amazon.com. I'll link that in the description of this podcast episode. But friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode, and I'll see you bright and early for an episode out of the Old Testament tomorrow. Happy listening, and God bless. Ooh.